driving, surviving, and thriving. In some cases. Yeah, in some cases. Not thriving in others. Uh, welcome to the A Racing Podcast. My name is Adam. Alongside me is Mitch. Hey. Hey. So, um, this is a bit of a special episode. Kind of an off week again for Formula One before their second race of the season at Imola. So, we're going to do a bit of a recap of Drive to Survive, the Netflix series that F1 kind of slightly produces. But um, yeah, kind of a, it was a third season this year and uh, a lot of very interesting storylines from the 2020 F1 season. Yeah, it was very cool. Very cool to watch. I mean, the first two were great, but last year, ah. There's so many things they could take from it and they did a whole bunch of the storylines. We will do a few notes um, from the last couple of weeks since the aftermath of the Bahrain Grand Prix. Um, <laughs> yep. I think we're done talking about turn four for now, but... Uh, <laughs> right now. Yes. Yeah, well, we'll bring it back up the next time somebody exceeds track limits. <laughs> Anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> it could just be like a practice run in, I don't know, five minutes into the first practice run. be like, <laughs> hey, that guy exceeded track limits. What the heck? But actually, thinking back on it, there were some cases last year where people did go off track in Imola. Well, I mean, for a couple of them, the penalty was hitting the wall, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> I mean, true. I mean, George technically went off track, George Russell, and uh, his penalty was having his front end destroyed. <laughs> for so. his first points and behind the safety car, he bins it into the wall. <laughs> oh. Well, we'll talk about that next race, but this one, yeah, we're going to do a few uh, notes ahead of the uh, recap. So, we'll start off with sprint races in formula one so this has been going on in f2 and f3 for quite a while now but now it's expanding to formula one apparently reports say that f1 is going to announce either at imola or portugal that they'll have a uh, three races this year they'll have a extra race a sprint race added to the formula one calendar or to the weekend schedule so basically what will happen is they'll practice and qualifying as normal the results for qualifying would set the grid for a sprint race, which is about third of the distance of the regular race. The results from that race will then determine the starting order for Sunday's big feature feature event. length race. Yeah, so um, they will give some points, I think, for like very few points. The, the main goal of this is to really set the field by performance against other cars, not just who's the fastest on track. And... Um, I'm kind of looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. It's really going to make a huge impact, I think, for those midfield teams especially. You know, your uh, Alpines, I was going to say Renault, but your Alpines, uh, your McLaren, your Aston Martin, if we can call them a mid midfield team, Ferrari this year. Yep. Especially, uh, Charles Leclerc did an amazing job in Bahrain's qualifying to drag that up the order mm-hmm. drag that car up the order um but you think about the teams at the bottom like Haas and Alfa Romeo well maybe not Alfa Romeo this year but Williams it's like every weekend weekend last year and years previous they would come to qualifying they know they're going to be within the back six cars of the grid yeah maybe now in a sprint race you get lucky you know in your pit strategy through that race all of a sudden a Williams finishes 15th Yep. or higher, and they're starting in good contention to get points, especially with somebody like George driving the car. Yeah. Like, at that point, if you're able to get one of those sprint race races, which, again, who knows, maybe those are the one of the six that Williams is focusing on for the year. Mm-hmm. 
if he's able to finish well in the sprint race, start close enough to the points for the feature race, George could have his very first points in a Williams car this year. That would be very cool. I mean, it should have happened already. Like yeah, said, but. Oh, yeah. And then if you think about the other way, um, say Mercedes or Red Bull, one of their guys is driving around, all of a sudden their engine goes, or there's some significant issue where they have to park for the sprint race, they're going to be starting last for the feature race, which we don't get it often to see, you know, someone like Hamilton or Verstappen <laughs> starting in last place and having to pass the whole field. Like, obviously, we saw Perez do that. I was going to say, the only person I feel comfortable with doing that <laughs> is Sergio Perez. Really, let's face it. Yeah, I mean, he, he's also maybe the biggest at risk of having that happen to him because he didn't necessarily have the best first weekend when yeah. it comes to car reliability. But well, I guess we'll see. during the race. Wow, <laughs> true. Didn't work, didn't work before the race, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> he got it running. Yeah. So that's exciting. Um, another kind of interesting note, uh, Mercedes earlier this week uh, named James Allison, uh, a.k.a. Valtteri's James. Uh, he's now the chief technical officer. So they don't have a lot of details yet. Um, it's kind of a new role for the organization. Um, but it sounds like he'll be stepping aside from kind of the day-to-day operations, which is quite interesting considering, obviously, uh, James and... Um, Bono. Bono, right. So obviously they both have played a huge role in kind of the strategy and helping kind of develop their cars. So it should be interesting to see what happens and if this is more of a move towards regulation change in next year. Could be. Yeah. So, I'm sure if I'm Valtteri Bottas driving the car, it might be maybe a little bittersweet that you're going to have a different voice in your ear now. Yeah, it could be. After hearing Valtteri, it's James, let Hamilton through. <laughs> Valtteri, it's James. Be we like, need you to back up the pack. Now it'd be like, Valtteri, it's Josh. Back up the pack now. <laughs> Actually, they did, uh, on their Instagram today, they did post who's taking over oh, the okay. position. I'll get get it here in a second. Keep talking. Okay, so, um, yeah, uh, it's quite interesting to kind of have that dynamic, especially because I believe it's July 1st is when the move happens. So it's not like it's an end-of-season change. It sounds like it's a mid-season change, which... From the 1st of July, it says. 1st of July, right. And instead of Valtteri, it's James, it'll be Valtteri, it's Mike. (laughs) Mike (laughs) Elliott is being proposed to technical director for Mercedes. You know, I guarantee you he's a great technical director to be, but it just sounds kind of a little (laughs) less... Hey, it's Mike! Yeah, hey, it's Mike. Yeah, could you pull back a bit, please? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, that's so good. We got one more thing to mention. Hulkenback. Oh, so, baby. Yeah, Nico super sub. Yes, the super sub who he appeared in three races last year due to COVID for the uh, now Aston Martin drivers. Well, not both drivers. Anyways, for Racing Point last year. He appeared in two races, was with the team for three. Um, I think he got a uh, was one points finish. Uh, he had, I believe, two points finishes last year. Okay, so there you go. Scored more more points than some of the drivers in the bottom teams did. Yeah, very true. Well, I mean, more than... I mean, obviously more than the Williams drivers, more than the Alpha Males and the Haas team. Yeah. <laughs> but, but hey, you know what? Um, another chance for him to get a podium. I know. Here we go again. Um, but, uh, yeah. He needs a better car first. 
Yeah, that I, car I, needs some help, I think. Yeah, he'll be with Aston Martin again this year. So um, as a reserve driver, in case something happens to Vettel or Stroll, it's still weird to say Vettel in an Aston Martin. But yeah, very strange. His first Mercedes-powered car. I still, that's what I still can't get over. Yeah. You go from Red Bull, and then you go to Ferrari. And, like, again, those two two different engines for the longest time, and now this is his first stint in a Mercedes engine car. Yeah, that is kind of weird. So, anyways, yeah, Hulkin back. He'll be back. Kind of interesting to see if he'll get in any races this year, or he could play an advisory role. Who knows? So, that's pretty much it for the news and notes. Um, I guess we could call this now your spoiler warning. If you want to watch Drive to Survive and you haven't yet, first of all, we don't encourage you to tune out. We just encourage you to press pause. Yes. Spend the next 10 hours watching Drive to Survive. <laughs> oh, and then press play again. Six and a half. Or know. if you want, you can do it episode by episode. Because yeah. we'll be doing it like that. Just press pause now. Watch episode one. Listen to our episode one. Reaction. And do it so on and so forth. Exactly. We're here as a supplement. Not to try to spoil it for you. Yes, exactly. Although, it's, it's a weird spoiler because we already know all the results. So it's like, yeah, true. I guess behind the scenes spoilers, all the pictures that you would see from behind the scenes, yeah. like Gunter Steiner, um, too much of Valtteri Bottas's. Uh, you know what? Well, we'll get to that um, in episode three. Spoilers. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, one other thing I will warn you: if you've got a bunch of young kids in the house, I want to put them to bed before you watch it because they use a lot of language. Welcome uh, to F1. Yeah, welcome to F1 <laughs> and welcome to working at Haas. <laughs> yeah. So Gunther Steiner. Yeah, he doesn't like umbrellas. Again, spoiler in the future. Um, <laughs> yeah, so let's get at it. We'll start off with episode number one, and it's called Cash is King. It just tells the story of the whole sport. It does. And as we kind of go through the episode, we kind of find out. Because this episode takes place, and I, I love this kind of start because... Um, it starts kind of in preseason testing and before the Australian Grand Prix. And when we were all were kind of, we'd heard about this thing called COVID-19, the coronavirus. But we didn't really know a lot about it. We didn't think it was as bad as it was. I mean, you had Ricardo at the start of the episode like, oh, hey, I should drink a Corona. I'll be immune. And it sounds bad now. But, I mean, if you think about it. Not many people took it seriously when it first came. Yeah. Until it came to, I know, us in Canada. Until it came here, everybody's kind of like, meh. Yeah, like, I, there was um, one thing, um, a, a, an LA Times article, where it was a tragic day. It was the day that Kobe Bryant's um, helicopter crash occurred. And at the very bottom of kind of the, the top story was like, new dead, uh, potentially deadly virus spreading in China. And it was like, or it might have even been like first case in the US. And it was like, you know, not kind of down obviously the whole Kobe Bryant situation was a big story in LA um but it was kind of a footnote the whole COVID situation and then as things kind of emerged especially when the NBA shut down and then all the sports leagues shut down hockey shut down it was like okay this is real then we were twiddling our thumbs and being like what are we gonna do yeah so working that, from home woo! yeah no pants yeah <laughs> for, for some people yeah uh, we do not encourage not wearing pants at home while you're working, because nine times out of ten, you will forget at some point, stand up, and then all your co-workers know what underwear you wear. Yeah. What fun is that? Yeah, like that just is not great. So, um, <laughs> look, we kind of get an F1 perspective of what it's like to kind of see this whole 
uh, coronavirus situation kind of take shape. Practice is normal. Everyone kind of is doing their thing. And as we get to Australia, it starts to get a little bit of kind of conversation. Um, the episode kind of takes a bit of a different path, though, about midway through and kind of looks at uh, Racing Point, now Aston Martin, but at the time it was Racing Point, and Lawrence Stroll. And a look at the... At Lawrence, who Canadian uh, businessman, um, billionaire, and he kind of put this aura out there. Um, the boss on the uh, pit wall for Racing Point, he basically calls him like a force of nature. Where, he, and you can kind of sense that he walks into a room and it's like this aura of like, okay, this guy means business, and he's like, okay, I, you got me till twelve thirty, go. It's business, confidence, and results with Lawrence Stroll. Yep. Very much. He he says that he's basically had a success with every company he's owned, and he doesn't think that F1 is going to be an exception. And it's quite interesting to kind of see, you know, like this guy, he means business. He thinks that this team can really succeed. Obviously, he's got his son on the team. Um, at this time, he's got Perez, who's a, another quality driver. They expect to be third. And then other teams start to kind of look at the car, and they're like, that car looks very familiar. Like the te- the car that won the championship the previous season. From Mercedes. That's how they got their nickname, the pink Mercedes. Because everybody in the paddock saw that car come out of the garage the first time. And it was like, that's not right. Yeah. Something's got to be wrong with that car. Yeah, Renault really takes the lead of like, okay, that car looks very suspicious and maybe even illegal. And um, as this season of Drive to Survive continues, it's interesting to see how it all develops. Um and so, with this whole situation going on, we head to Australia for the Australian GP in the midst of COVID-19 and the coronavirus. And I kind of remember this week very well, being in the media, um, just of the chaos of that, of that week. And I remember when the NBA, NHL, everything shut down on the Thursday. Um, and on the Friday, that's when everything really kind of locked down a bit. For F1, you kind of see, you know, there's obviously this conversation, but a lot of people are like, you know, I mean, it's not bad now, but if there's one case that really gets in here, oh boy, stuff's going to hit the fan. And it's interesting to kind of get the perspectives of all the different teams, because some teams, we don't really need to race this race. Some teams, let's get going. I mean, you got Racing Point who are like, we got this brand new car, a few weeks notice, nobody knows anything, like we can take advantage there's other teams that were like, I don't want my guys to get sick with COVID. Mm-hmm. So it's a really split paddock of should we race, should we not? And some people have the mindset again, like bringing it back to the title of Cash is King, mm-hmm. is that for teams like Haas, your bottom dwellers, you know, who maybe don't have much sponsorship, don't have much money. Again, the Williams, when Claire and the Williams family still owned it, at the beginning of last year, COVID hits and their bank account takes a huge hit. That first race, I mean, as much as the monetary value isn't inserted into the teams right after that race, mm-hmm. it meant a lot Yeah, for them it from does. a financial aspect. Because it's not cheap to put all these people on payroll, to put the car out on the track, to do all of this. And so to do that without any actual race associated with it and without it meaning anything to the season, mm-hmm. essentially is just like throwing a bunch of cash out a window. Yeah, and it's kind of highlighted. Uh, so at this point, 
we, we find out that there's a potential COVID case involving a McLaren mechanic. And so obviously there's a lot of nerves or nervous people. And Lewis Hamilton is like, we should not be here. He's part of this big scrum. All these reporters circled around this room. You've got him sitting beside three drivers. Nobody's wearing a mask. And it's like, you know, do you think people should be racing? And he's like, no, we should not be here. And so the guy's like, okay, well then why are we here? And he kind of looks over at Sebastian Vettel, of course, another veteran of the sport. And he kind of looks, and then he kind of looks back at the guy and says, cash is king. And then he looks over in Vettel, and Vettel's like, yep, cash is king. And it's like, yep, because certainty and financial revenue is makes a lot of the world turn around. So, And as much as these drivers are the face of the franchise, so to speak, and the stars and the studs of Formula One, they are kind of your just pawns in the game. Mm-hmm. That's it. Whatever the FIA comes out and says, if they're racing, if they said we're racing Australia, the drivers do have some pull and can refuse to drive. But you saw way in the past, you know, some of the ugly moments where it's like the FIA wants them to drive. All the drivers strike, go to a hotel, stay there. Search that up if you have time. We're not going to get into it here. Yeah. But... In this case, to have Lewis Hamilton, who has been the face of F1 again for now the last 10 years, yep. and then Sebastian Vettel, four-time world champion as well, saying, we shouldn't be here, but yeah. cash is king. The only thing you can do is the FIA is yeah. back off and <laughs> just say, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, no comment. <laughs> no comment, but we're calling off the weekend. And well, that's what happened. Well, the, yeah, they eventually got to the point after McLaren, they confirmed positive COVID cases, and then they pulled out. Meantime, you got Ricardo like looking at his phone, and he's like, oh, they closed the U.S. border. Interesting. The NBA shut down. Wow. And it's like, and, and I think that's when it really sank in. And then when McLaren pulled out, everyone was like, okay, we can't do this. Because if a team literally pulls out because of COVID, like, there's no way we can just go forward with it and have it be a fair contest. Yep. So they cancel the Australian GP. Fans obviously very frustrated because, you, you know, you, if I spend a bunch of money to go to Australia to watch an F1 race, I want to see an F1 race. And they announced this, like, literally hours before first practice. Mm-hmm. So people are like, I showed up here, and all of a sudden the gates are locked, and they're telling me to go home. That's ridiculous. So in about five or six months, we really learned that that was probably a great idea for them to cancel the GP and that in hindsight, you know, yeah. Okay. We made a good choice. Yeah. But we kind of leave the first episode and I like how they do it because there's a lot of uncertainty. There's, as we were mentioning, um, like Williams and Haas and other teams, they're financially, you know, in a tough situation. And now there's no certain data when F1's going to return. And there was a lot of questions of, are we going to survive? Will we, drive and survive hence the title of this episode aha, aha. <laughs> clever link it back to the uh the title of the series mm-hmm. so so that's kind of how we left episode one um i thought it was pretty good it was interesting to kind of take a look back and remember what life was kind of like before this whole chaos began yeah me too yeah i agree so um yeah it was episode one episode two was back on track as they kind of skipped by all the financial situations during the uh, the extended break and didn't. And I'm okay with the fact they didn't touch on any of the esports stuff because it doesn't really apply to F1. 
No, as much as it's a franchised affiliate of F1, and it's Formula One pays for that esports league to happen. It's like, yeah, yeah. still doesn't mean much for a Netflix show on an actual Formula One. Yeah, so absolutely fair. Um, so yeah, back on track. Uh, everyone's at Austria for the start of the season. Drop a few letters from Australia, and you got the season opener. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> I wonder um, if people took their tickets from Australia and just crossed out and tried to get in yeah even though there were no fans <laughs> literally until the first race of this year that would be that'd a, be, that would be really funny just uh get rid of the ale and then there you go austria <laughs> Aust- austrian gp yeah <laughs> that would have been awesome um but also there were no fans um because they canceled mm-hmm. the first few races monaco was canceled canada was canceled bummer um, yeah, boo. Yeah, that sucked. And I fingers crossed for this year. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, it it pretty much became like a European season with with actually there weren't really any stops in Asia either. Were there? Nope, we didn't. get I mean, any a little Asian bit of like stops. yeah, there was some Middle East, but um, not a lot of like Eastern Asia, like China and Japan. So it was mainly like a European racing season. But it did provide some interesting opportunities, like. Having Austria as a season opener, I love the track personally, mm-hmm. and so did um, I mean Red Bull. They first of all, it's the Red Bull Ring, um, and but they're really thinking, you know, this is our shot. Like we really wanted to start off in Australia, but you know what? We think this could be our year. We've got this. Uh, it's going to be Albon's first full year with our team. For Schappen's looking strong. Who knows? Yeah, that was quite the race for Red Bull. You know, especially for a guy like. Alex Albon, who beginning of the first full year in the car mm-hmm. for Red Bull, and you know, again, you think back to 2019, he had his chance at a first podium, going for what well, I think just third place or second place was it when Hamilton ended up essentially punting him off the road, put him into a spin, and he spun into the gravel, ruined yep. his race. Yeah, not to have like flashbacks for alex albon but yeah as deja vu happens in austria yep <laughs> as in brazil yeah like uh, yeah so anyways yeah he gets he gets kind of sent into the into the gravel he and and what was frustrating for him was that you know he was on soft tires the rest of the guys in front were on kind of more used tires and and a lower compound so albon had a shot not only to get on a podium but to potentially win his win the season opener which would have been crazy for him, yeah. Oh, but I mean, then getting punted off, how did that affect his confidence for the rest of the oh, year? Oh, you can see that, like, it almost felt like it was akin to Vettel crashing in Germany in 2018, mm-hmm. where Vettel was leading the championship, adverse weather conditions, crashes into Hockenheim Ring in Germany, and then his whole season just went down. And really, the next three years went downhill for him, save, <laughs> save for a couple yeah. wins. But mm-hmm. you could tell that he was really struggling um, to compete for the championship. It looked like that with Albon, where it's just his first race, it was his big shot, gets taken out. He had a few decent performances throughout the season, but you just kind of saw that his aggressiveness level just kind of took a dive. And we'll is, get to that maybe a little bit later. Yeah. Christian Horner, the team principal for Red Bull, we talked about the F-bombs that Gunter Steiner <laughs> <laughs> drops in the episodes, but he said that... Albon needs needed to get a little bit more of a f off attitude. Yeah, like to his a, racecraft. Yeah, like get out of my way, buddy. And it just didn't come. Yeah, it just didn't come, which was unfortunate. Um, 
But because of that, and Hamilton, whether he purposely did it or whatever, we don't know, yes. punted him off the road. All of a sudden, race goes on. Hamilton gets a time five second time penalty for that incident. Yeah, and then you have Lando Norris. Absolutely crazy. Like he was two laps to go. You're a second and a half behind that five second penalty range. And McLaren, this is the start of the season. Their car's not as good as a Mercedes. Mercedes got you know brand new car, brand new DOS system. Like it's it's designed to be obviously the championship car. And McLaren has not been anywhere near Mercedes the last few years. So to see Lando just put down an absolute wild lap in his last lap Mm -hmm. and close the gap enough to get his first career podium. By the skin of his teeth. Yeah. Like literally, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it's like if five seconds was the gap that he needed to get to, he was like four point. Eight nine, he was nine, like four point eight, yeah, or something like that. Like it was just within tenths of a second. And I remember watching that race, and it was like, okay, this is what I've been waiting for, because like the his whole garage is just going nuts, and like Zach Brown is jumping up and down, and like they're hugging each other and celebrating, and you're like, man, yes, excitement in the world, yeah, <laughs> finally, I've, I've been waiting since. December for this, and it I think what well, was like May or June or something for the start of the F1 season. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was one wild race, and um, kind of interesting to see how the whole Red Bull dynamic was starting to develop in that episode. So, and um, kind of bridging to the next one, that race in Austria also kind of marked maybe the start of a positive trend for Mer- Valtteri Bottas and the Mercedes. Because as much as Lewis had that penalty, Valtteri was beating Lewis on track and yep. ended up winning the race. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, he's the focus of episode three, which is called Nobody's Fool. And it's, you know, I, I kind of feel for Valtteri because he, he's in that worst spot. Like, it focuses on the fact that he is in a good enough car that could win a championship, but he's not as good as Lewis Hamilton, so he always plays kind of like a second fiddle. Like, I mean, there was one point where Toto accidentally called him a wingman during a post-race uh, mm-hmm. interview, and and Valtteri's like, I'm not a wingman, and Toto was like, oops. And then after, it was <laughs> like, somebody asked, uh, one of the uh, Drive to Survive people was like, yeah, so um, what, what would you say to someone if they called him a wingman? And he's just like, I would say, F you, F you, F you, and it's like, okay, well... We heard that on his radio after one of the races later in the season, too. Yes, exactly. So, and yeah. to all those concerned. Yes. Insert here. And actually, that <laughs> is kind of the cap of the episode, because uh, it focuses on the Russian Grand Prix. But before that, we kind of see a little behind the scenes, a little too much behind the scenes, of uh, Valtteri kind of taking a cool down um, with his, um, agent. his, his yeah. agent. yeah, And just talking about how he needed to get in that mentality of, like, I can beat Lewis. In a sauna. But, again, you've seen it. So, anyways. <laughs> too much Valtteri Bottas. Yeah, a little too much. Um, but, yeah, so, it's interesting this takes place in Russia. Because two years earlier, uh, they do that flashback where, basically, Hamilton was s- still trailing in the championship, I think, to Vettel. And they needed that gap. So, they basically told Valtteri to just pull over. And he kind of had to because it was the team's orders. And as we see in the episode, you know. He's still kind of ticked off about it. That's fair. Totally understandable. Again, these guys 
in Formula One don't just get there to play second fiddle. They all want to win. They all want to be world champions. They all want to be drivers' champions, mm-hmm. etc. But I was what I was really interested about in this episode too. You talk about the behind the scenes before the race is just how much like the knowledge for Valtteri is there. It's yes. so vast for a guy to know that okay, Russia. It's a long straight right off the group five red lights to the first corner. Well, technically, I think it's the second corner. Yeah, but the first major corner to the first major corner to know that okay, if I'm in first, that's good. If I'm in second, he's mainly just a kind of a pawn to protect first, and if I'm in third, that's probably the best place I can start from because you automatically get the inside line on second. Yeah, and you get the toe from the guy in front of you. So basically, he cuts the air in front of you. You get a huge boost in speed. And you can fight for the lead heading into turn one from third place. And that knowledge, then, he pulled into qualifying. Now, Mercedes, Lewis Hamilton is their poster boy. They want everything to go well for him. They obviously want things to go well for Valtteri, too. They wanted Valtteri to qualify second. But in qualifying, Valtteri chose himself... And was okay with finishing third, which allowed Max Verstappen to get second. It was Verstappen who finished second. Yeah. yeah. So basically, Val, uh, Valtteri comes across the line P2. That's pretty much his best result. But And so the team's like, okay, pull over and let Max go. But he doesn't pull over. He gives that toe to Max, who then gets pretty much like a speed boost down the front straight. And the team's now like, okay, please pull over, pull over, pull over. And eventually he'd pull over. But not before giving Max a huge boost. Max goes P2, pushes Valtteri back to third, which is not great because then in this in a scenario where it happens, it didn't. Verstappen could pull ahead of Hamilton at the start. All of a sudden, Red Bulls got advantage; they could win the race rather than the situation where you've got two Mercedes at the front who could block and ensure Mercedes lead out of turn one. So the team's not very happy. Yeah, as you were saying, Valtteri knew. Okay, if I give this guy a toe, I could be third, which is where I want to be. It's like, oh boy, here we go. Again, choosing himself. And I think actually that, yeah, that was where the line came up in the episode. Then where he crossed the line saying, you know, for all those concerned. (laughs) Yeah, to whom it may concern, bleep you. Um, (laughs) But um, one quick thing I wanted to mention, because it was very quickly addressed as kind of like a joke, but it's amazing that... So they're biking, and like one of the mechanics is just biking and get suddenly catches himself biking in a military zone and gets arrested. It's like, you know, obviously you're joking because it's kind of funny, but it kind of glossed over it. It's like, wait, wait, what? <laughs> like literally biking through the mountains of Russia, and all of a sudden you get arrested. Oh my god, uh, I can't imagine what it'd be like in like that moment where it's like, okay, you're under arrest. I don't understand what you're saying. You're under arrest. Oh my gosh, I'm under arrest in a foreign country. Yeah, that, so it's such a scary moment. Can't yeah. Imagine. So anyways, um, heading into the race, Bottas would go on to um, win the race, says to him, may concern, bleep you, as he said in Austri- Australia last year. But here's the thing, it kind of fell a little bit more flat because he didn't really win the race. Hamilton was winning the race, but he did this weird thing where he decided to do a practice start in a really dangerous spot and got a 10 second penalty, mm-hmm. which pretty much handed Valtteri the win. So, well, yes, it's always good to get a win and to, you know, show that you're 
you can still win races. It kind of seemed a little bit aggressive in terms of... In a way, yeah. Yeah, it was like, we, we know who you are. We weren't really <laughs> criticizing you, but now you're kind of making it look like we were. So, quite interesting episode to kind of see what it's like to be the backup guy. And we also did hear quickly from Nico Rosberg, which was awesome, because Nico was the one guy to beat Lewis in a Mercedes. And actually, earlier this week... For the whole season, over the whole season, yeah. Yeah, and um, Toto was talking to some uh, other show earlier this week, I think, um, and it mentioned basically that they were on the verge of suspending um, either Rosberg or Hamilton because they were just so... There was so much negativity coming through the room because they were so competitive. And aggressive with each other. Like, again, you see a see a race, there's a very well-known clip on YouTube you can find where... Hamilton wins the race, Nico's second, Hamilton's in the kind of cool down room, getting ready, puts his winning hat on, and tosses the hat for second place over to Nico, (laughs) and Nico just chucks it right back at him, and life goes on. Yeah, so essentially what happened was, Nico won the championship and retired, which is a great way to retire, Mm -hmm. Um, and then Hamilton just kind of got... Valtteri is his teammate and started winning so yeah it was good to see Nico on the show it's always awesome to see Nico but yeah so that was kind of episode three so looking ahead to episode four which is my favorite title of the season we need to talk about Ferrari oh boy it's just oh boy it's a great summary of pretty much how their season is uh drive to survive ends up catching them at the um Italian GP of course their home race thank god there were no fans yeah, it was really rough. It was painful to watch. And uh, yeah, Vettel's kind of... You could just see that his give-a-damn's busted, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, you know what? I'm out of here at the end of the year. Whatever. At this time, he doesn't know if he has another ride. Yeah. But you can just tell, like, you know, the team's like, okay, please don't do this. And he's like, I'll do whatever I want. Yeah, so it was quite interesting to see that side of things. It also kind of touches on the 2019 controversy of their engines. If you need an explainer on that... So, yeah, watch the episode. Yeah. Definitely gets into it more than what we touched on previously. And then for the race itself, imagine being Matita Bonato. Oh, so boss. much pressure. And at the end of that race, just, just watch, so yeah. disappointed. Like in the matter of about, I think it was like 10 or 20 laps, it, you, you watch your one guy. Well, first of all, both of your cars are well behind. I mean, Vettel was struggling. Paces way down. He was being passed by a Williams car. <laughs> very in a power hungry tough year for ferrari yeah it was very tough so you see vettel pretty much like you see his and his brakes go 10 minutes or 10 laps later you see leclerc just way off into the wall and you're just like well we're packing up before the end of the race this is not great so it was pretty tough to watch that i i just love how all the teams are like you know what you get no sympathy from us nope nope you guys have won so much uh, with Schumacher, you get nothing from us. And being the longest standing team in Formula One. Only one to be in every single season. Yep. Yeah, it was like, good on you, historic team. Too bad. <laughs> also, you, you guys might can have ride cheated. the back of the pack for a few years. Yeah, and also you might have cheated with your engine, so you got no sympathy. So. But then they bring a new engine upgrade this year, and then Carlos Sainz and Charles Leclerc go 1-2 and Q2. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> Nuts weird but in that episode again like i said thank god there were no fans because if anybody's ever seen the tifosi in full-fledged force at monza why they're nuts 
crazy. And to have a mob afterwards after both of their cars crashed out. You would have seen the stands if there were fans go from full to empty yeah. before the race even finished. Which would suck because the Italian fans would also not see an Italian team win. But <laughs> still, like, I, I think, side note, I would probably put that track top five of races I'd love to go to just to experience the Tifosi. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Yeah. So uh, there's one last thing that's great about this episode is that just the, the decision to announce Vettel moving to Aston Martin for 2021, like right on like Ferrari's big weekend, the 1,000th race of the season, we got this huge ceremony going on. And then pretty much like the Wednesday or Thursday before the race, it's like, oh, by the way, breaking news, I'm leaving the team. I'm taking all the uh, spotlight from this weekend. And it's like, yeah, Ferrari's 1,000th GP, really Vettel's celebration of going to aston martin it seemed like there was some sour negotiations between vettel and ferrari and i think it was a little bit of vettel kind of going like well hey if you don't want to negotiate well with me then i won't negotiate well with you because it yeah. was very quick negotiations before they were like yeah we're not picking you up and we're we're not taking you back next year and carlos Sainz is with the team so yeah yeah quite interesting to see how that all developed but that's kind of it for ferrari yeah what's next first worst who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You'll see in season four or this entire se- year. <laughs> yeah. Watch next weekend. You'll see how it goes. Well, they are back in Italy. So, um, yeah. So that's episode four. Episode five is called The End of the Affair. And it focuses on Daniel Ricardo, the uh, breakup with Renault. He decides, you know what? He came to Renault saying, I was going to bring this team forward. I think this team could be championship contenders in like five years and by year two he says you know what i'm going to mclaren now bye-bye yeah but it, they really hadn't done much to help his cause i mean former team boss cyril loved a bit however you want to pronounce it really loved ricardo mm-hmm. like it's kind of interesting to see in the episode because it's like with mclaren which we'll get to later and carlos science leaving they were like okay got to be careful as to what we tell them you know yeah. still love you still want you to do well but we're not going to give you the book before you go to our rival yeah whereas ricardo is like we love you here's everything <laughs> please don't leave us <laughs> yeah. and, but, and like you can tell there's like a bit of a man crush and it's like you know what that respect you know what He's like, I, I wear my emotions on my sleeve. I have to sometimes hold that back. And it's like, that's fair. And yeah, it it kind of made me feel a little bad. In a way. Because again, you know, when Daniel went to Renault, there was so much promise. You had Daniel Ricciardo coming off several very successful years in a Red Bull car, thinking, this is our guy. He's going to carry us home. But then just a slew of reliability problems mm-hmm. over the years he was with Renault stamped that signature on his McLaren contract because... He wasn't going anywhere. And as much as he got a couple podiums last year, it wasn't fast enough. And I, like Daniel said, I think in one of his interviews, he's not getting any younger. And yeah. he wants to be a world champion. So he had to make a move to try to make that happen. Absolutely. I think my favorite quote from that episode was Christian Horner was asked about it. And he's like, well, you know, for a bit of bull, it's kind of like um, being dumped by a girlfriend, but she hasn't moved out yet. Yep. And but, COVID. Yeah, and, and COVID. <laughs> But um, it's kind of a double meeting for this uh, title because the affair also includes the resolution to the pink Mercedes controversy because Renault goes after the brake ducts, saying they're pretty much too, they're too similar. They're like a carbon copy of Mercedes, which, you know, copying another car seems pretty suspicious. 
and is illegal. Yeah, <laughs> and and illegal. So the FIA basically says, yeah, you know what, it was illegal, but you can keep them on for the rest of the season. But you also get like a fifteen point fine, and yeah. that weekend at Silverstone, where you've got a lot of animosity between these teams because you've got four teams decide, okay, you know what, we're going to appeal this and say, this is ridiculous, we want a further penalty, they should not be driving those cars with those brake ducts. Uh, those four teams were McLaren, Williams, Renault, and Ferrari, which, when you put Ferrari in there, it's like, oh boy, here we go. So they're appealing that way. Then you've got Racing Point with Lawrence Stroll, and is like, this was wrong, this was not right, we don't want a penalty of all, at all. They're demeaning our name, they're dragging us through the mud. Yeah. All that kind of stuff. But, I mean, again, for him having a, what was it, like a 500,000 euro fine is chump change. Yeah. <laughs> for us, it'd be, like, devastating for him. It's, like, a Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. I'll just move one asset around and we're good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, anyways, in the end, everybody drops their appeals. Renault was last. I think, pretty sure the other three dropped out pretty quickly. And then Renault was like, okay, fine, we'll drop out. I feel like Claire was just along for the ride for yeah. that one. Well, like if they, you guys are joining in, I'll jump in as well. Yeah. But uh, it was, I guess, the end of that affair as well. And in the race, the Renaults beat Lance Stroll because the other car driven by Nico Hulkenberg doesn't even get to the start line. So yeah, that was episode five. Now we head to episode six, and by far my favorite one, called The Comeback Kid, because it talks about Pierre Gasly, who his comeback story is crazy, and it starts off kind of with his awkward situation with Red Bull. He gets in the car, kicked out in six months. That same weekend at Spa, as he's preparing for his first race in the backup car, he watches his best friend die in an F2 crash, yep. which is so sad. And, but then th over the course of the next year, he tears it up. And, and I mean, it's one of those things that you look at his performance and they said on the show too, Christian Horner being the team principal and of course the guy who calls the shots, the guy who sent him back down to Alphatari or Toro Rosso, as they were called, in favor of Albon coming up to Red Bull. He's the guy to interview to ask him all the questions about it. And sure, he played on the on the episode saying, people got to understand, it comes down to more than just results of what happens on track. It's like it comes down to numbers, analytics, projections, potential, stuff like that. No. <laughs> Which, believe that if you will. I think Will Buxton, a reporter for F1, who's there every weekend, Yeah, said it best. You know, I think they're just too embarrassed to admit they're wrong. Yep. I mean, in Albon, you know what? He's a decent driver, but pretty much, after, like, giving one driver six months, and he wasn't, it's not like Gasly was like crashing was every race. Yeah. or 18th every race. Yeah, he just needed time to learn the car, but he never got it, and then got sent down. So this race kind of looks at kind of Gasly and Albon. Two races, Spa, and then also kind of touches on the one in Italy the week after. At Spa, you get the emotional moment where Pierre goes to the spot where Antoine Hubert died in the F2 crash. Uh, he actually had a Players' Tribune article that is where he talks further about his relationship between he and his best friend. And I mean, he grew up with them, raced in series alongside him. They were best friends. And next mm -hmm. thing you know, you watch your friend die in a crash. I can't imagine the yeah. toll that would take. And just tragic and yeah and then his friends like hey you know what prove them wrong and fast forward yes and at spa those of you who are familiar with the track will know the section where you go up the hill to yeah. the long back straight drs oh. and everything like that 
that's where the accident happened with Antoine Hubert. But to then fast forward now to last year, you put Pierre in an Alfatari in that very same section of track. He pulled off probably one of the best overtakes of the year, if not the best, yeah. on Sergio Perez. Just held the foot into the floor and ride that hill up. Yep, and I mean, you, you could hear him after he made that pass. He was like, let's go. Like, yes. That's how we overtake in Formula One. Yes, exactly. And he had a great race. Alvon, not so much. And of course, the questions start coming in. And But Horner's been around enough. He knows that, yeah, okay. Yeah, he's proven himself pretty good, but you know what? There's nobody internally mentioning that they need to bring Gasly back. That was a very interesting comment it was like wow that's harsh throwing it back in his face we don't need you yeah so guess what he says fast forward to monza fast forward to monza temple of speed and an absolutely crazy race basically as you see it all play out hamilton screws up and all of a sudden gasly is in third knowing the guy in front of him in the mercedes has got a 10 second stop and go penalty you have to go in the pits, stop for 10 seconds, and then go through the pits. And Lance Stroll is just one man to ta- overtake at that point. On a part of the track that is not used often, so it doesn't, so it's got used rubber on it, which means you're not going to get as much grip. So Gasly's sitting in third, and he's like, this is my chance. i got to take it. And there was one thing they showed before the race, where um, he reads an article the way to the track pretty much saying that Red Bull... Horner says that he's not getting it and he calls it a joke and he's like well I'll prove them wrong kind of thing so he takes on that second restart he takes advantage gets pastoral holds off signs and wins his emotion after the race just infectious oh my god what did we just do we won the bleeping race <laughs> and you're just I remember that because I was uh I was um visiting my parents that time and they were still sleeping. Brailsy couldn't yell. In the oh, house. I was I was ready to just <laughs> scream to the neighborhood. Oh my gosh, what a race! But I was like, I'm gonna hold off. I I, I can't wake up people. Um, Good so, responsible son. Yes, I'm a responsible son. And again, after that win, then what do you see from Christian Horner? Of course, he's there mm. clapping as he walks by. Congratulations, Pierre. Uh, congrats Great to the win. whole team. Yep. And it's like, just admit that you messed up. And then they show the shot of Albon's car. He's getting out of his car. I think he finished, what, like 11th or something? Or 14th? It was, yeah, it might have been 14th. Like, it was a terrible race. Didn't get a single point. And he seemed getting out of his car as, like, there's bedlam in front of him as Alpha Tower is celebrating a complete upset win. And you can just tell. He's just like, oh, my God. Just dejected. There was no life in Albon left. You kind of just felt like he was dancing on ice, like. Yeah, like, just no traction, like, the confidence wasn't there. And again, sure, later in the season he gets a third place in Bahrain by virtue of Sergio Perez's engine failure. Mm -hmm. But, But, well, he did also get a podium at uh, Mugello. Oh, true. Although, again, that was, he took advantage of uh, Verstappen's engine pretty much going right at the start. So, be as you may, maybe he was faster, who knows, but it's not like he overtook Verstappen to take the... Although we haven't seen with Perez yet this year, so who knows, but maybe Verstappen's just so good. Anyone else looks terrible compared to him. I don't know. Tough but. to say. That's like I said, with the first race from Bahrain, if Sergio Perez qualified in like fifth, mm-hmm. where would he have been able to finish? 
Because, again, he would have been fighting through the field, but he would have been on a different strategy from everybody in the front. Mm -hmm. And what would that have translated into for him? Would he have challenged, ultimately, Hamilton, Max, and Valtteri at the front in a closer fashion? I don't know. That's a great question. Tough to say. Very tough to say. So that's kind of the second, like the middle half of the series. And then we go to the back of the grid. Yeah. Where you, if you have kids, put it on earmuffs. Don't watch it while they're around because it's F-bomb city for Haas. Gunter's choice. Um, <laughs> Gunter Steiner is the guy we're talking about. Team principal for Haas F1. But yeah, Gunter's choice. It's, it was a terrible year for Haas. Yeah. Things have been rough for Haas for, I mean, quite a long time. They are that team, like we said earlier, the show, you know, financially, everything that they do is so scrutinized. And as you see in the episode... Rich energy. Yeah, rich <laughs> energy. But as you see in the episode, you know, Haas will finish a race, maybe Roman crashed out or Kevin crashed out. Yep. And then the other driver finishes P15, P14. So Which for yeah. Gene Haas, who's the owner, yep. is not impressive. But you constantly hear Gunther trying to make the best of it. Yeah, it's pretty much like... And he, like convince yeah. him that it's like, well, he had those nice overtakes, like it's a positive step forward, we're moving up. But for a team that doesn't isn't committed to improving a car, yeah, how do you do that? How do you get any better? Yeah, exactly. And it, it's always funny because it's pretty much like the race finishes and then it's like Gunther's phone rings. It's like, oh, it's Gene Haas. Here we go. Yeah. So then basically after the after the race in Silverstone, okay, you need to get some money. And it's kind of cool because we get to see kind of the inside of sponsored deal, which you never see because, of course, everyone wants to keep it quiet and keep yeah. all the backroom, like all the deals kind of behind closed doors. But we kind of find out, you know, like like sponsors nowadays a little more kind of like, yeah, okay. They're very we'll, careful. Yeah, we'll put, more, we'll put our money behind you, but we also want a little bit of a say. So, like, this one's like, listen, we'd love to see a German driver in that car. Which is kind of neat because you get to see sort of... Again, we know Mick Schumacher is a driver for Haas this year. But this whole episode, you kind of get to see the pieces come together, yep. which make him a Haas driver. And I feel like in watching the episode, that was kind of the first hint indicator that it was like, this is part of that pursuit yep. for them. I mean, they knew he was part of the Ferrari Young Driver program. They knew Alfa Romeo was interested. He actually would have had a test with Alfa Romeo. One weekend, if it wasn't for that was uh yeah rain in, yeah in Germany at the yeah at the Nurburgring yeah um, exactly. it was absolutely pouring there was fog all over the place and he couldn't practice couldn't get the practice in but he's in Alfa Romeo outfit there too yeah and he's just to hear Gunter Steiner talk about how he's kind of finessing behind the scenes he relates himself to the team principal at Alfa Romeo saying you know like we're in kind of the same boat we yep. got similar budgets to each other we're both trying to attract sponsors and stuff like that and how Gunter's like but I really want Mick <laughs> and how it's kind of like that that parade out with Alfa Romeo through that weekend kind of allowed him to have behind the scenes all the proper negotiations mm -hmm. that he needed which would ultimately secure Mick's seat in Haas this year. And then he also talks even just briefly about Nikita Mazepin. And you just tell, it's like Nikita Mazepin promising young driver in F2. Again, he hasn't won much from but his, F2. But his dad's but got money. He mentioned, yeah, <laughs> he mentioned his dad has a company that he may want to promote. Yeah. 
and that's why we have a Russian livery this year. <laughs> yeah, well, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, they won't tell you that. Uh, but asterisk as a as a fan perspective, it looks I, pretty Russian. It's pretty Russian. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, also you get you get to see um, and good old Roman Groshan. He gets like this piece of gravel slam into his finger. He loses the ability to use his, I think, left index finger. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, he pretty much goes the whole race in cold weather with a screwed useless up. Useless finger. Fin- yeah, a useless finger. And it's like, that would hurt. Like, and, I, there's adrenaline, but like, that's like an hour and a half of adrenaline. And if you watch highlights back of F1 cars and you're able to watch the onboards and look down at their hands on the steering wheel, they use both index fingers. A lot because there's like three trillion buttons on that thing. Triggers on the back. There's buttons on the back. Like I think some people choose to have their DRS button on the back of the steering wheel. Yeah, that left index finger to not be able to use. Yeah, you're changing your natural first muscle memory response to everything you do. Yeah. So I mean, good on him for getting points that way in a car that probably doesn't deserve to get points. Yeah, it was is again. Tough year. Yeah, and so then at the end of the episode, you find out that really that was for nothing because uh, Haas is like, you know what we decided to do? We're getting rid of both you guys. Which they were not happy about. Obviously, Roman did want to have a seat in F1 for this year, mm -hmm. but then Bahrain comes. Not quite next episode. Okay. We now get to the one We'll take a pause. Yes. (laughs) And do episode eight. Yes, exactly. And... uh, I wasn't a fan of this one. Um, it's called No Regrets. It's kind of... It, it's a McLaren behind the scenes. And they, I feel like they try to make too much of a rivalry out of Carlos and Lando. So, basically, their argument is that, you know, Carlos is moving on. Um, this is Lando's team, but Carlos wants to prove he's good. And they get this rivalry. But, like, knowing the two of them... And they show it at the start. They're, they're goofballs. They love each other. They're, like, you know, kind of like goofy brothers. And, sure, obviously, you want to beat your teammate... And there's always going to be that competitive edge, but it's not like they hate each other all of a sudden. Well, and so that's where you get the the Hollywood side of this yeah. coming in to try to build some intrigue. Like they don't, they even some people within the F1 community talked about after it was released that it's like there's one clip that they show on there about um, Orlando's behind Carlos trying to make a move on the outside, and La- or Carlos has a twitch of understeer, so has to correct. And they inserted a line saying, he turned in on me. Yep. But that's from a totally different lap race scenario yeah. that wasn't even in that moment. Yeah. And But, again, sounds good. So let's put it in there. Let's play it up. Let's play up the fact that Carlos kicked the chair away from Lando mm-hmm. as he was about to sit down. In the interviews with them in that episode, like they talked to Lando and they talked to Carlos and neither of them is bitter yeah. about each other. Yeah, like... It, it sounds like they try to make it like a, oh, I suddenly don't like you. But it's more like a, you know, I'm going to beat you. Of course I do. But it's not like I'm going to kick your teeth in to try to beat you. Yeah, exactly. Um, the, there's one, I, the one thing I do like about it is you get to see kind of like the father-son thing between Carlos Sainz and Carlos Sainz Sr. Of course, Carlos Sr., um, world rally champion. But, you know, like you, you get to see a couple of drivers, at one champion, one maybe soon future champion. We don't know. Who knows? Does Ferrari... Go back to its glory days with Carlos Sainz. <laughs> well, and, and this also shows in the episode. He shows up in the hotel going to the track and like the people are going nuts about this guy. And it's like, 
well, that's fair. He ends up finishing second yep. in the race, and it's like, mm-hmm. you know, Carlos, while it's maybe not the fastest car in Ferrari at the time, he's fallen, you know, the Tifosi are going to fall in love with you. So Even again, with this year, he didn't finish as high as he would have wanted to, but he admitted that he was trying to not overdrive the car in the race. Yeah, you don't want to. So we still don't. Race. We still don't know how much pace Carlos has in a Ferrari car, yeah. and if he is a able to match Charles or even surpass him, we don't know. Again, yeah, Charles is the poster child for Ferrari. He's signed that long five-year extension. That's the longest extension by any Ferrari driver ever. Longer than Michael. Longer than Michael. I mean, they just showed up on Instagram today that they gifted him his 2019 car. Yeah, with Ferrari, like the actual one he drove. That and he wanted. The, How would you like that? The one he you open your door. There's a big truck outside with the car you drove in it. That that you won with the Tifosi going nuts. And these cars aren't cheap. Like, <laughs> this is a lot of money that they're just essentially saying here. Here's a gift for you. Yeah. For your collection. Well, I mean, Hang it, it on your wall. I mean, it is an outdated <laughs> car. But at yeah. the same time, you know, like, you could totally get parts out of it and just build it into your next one. But True. Yeah. So, I don't want to delve too, delve too much on this, web, or this uh, episode because the next one is probably the most emotionally gripping one because it is called Man on Fire, which is all about the Bahrain race last year. And it's kind of interesting because... If somebody says to you, man on fire, and you're kind of loosely follow F1 or sort of know F1, or if you're a diehard fan, you know that, okay, this is about Roman Grosjean. Mm-hmm. He had a near-death situation. But I do kind of like the double meaning. Yeah. Because yeah. you have Sergio Perez, who was a man on fire, driving so figuratively. well, figuratively, yeah. driving so well for Racing Point that all of a sudden didn't have a seat. And I like the fact that this episode, they touched on both people. Yeah, and also his car catches on fire at the end of the race. True. So, I mean, I guess a little bit of both. But then, yeah, um, it when I heard Man on Fire, I was like, oh, we're going to start with the crash, right? And yes, you do see the crash. and like, Or you don't see the crash itself. You see the reaction's car going into the, heading towards the wall. Leclerc is throwing an F-bombs, freaking out. And then it cuts to Perez. And it's I, I counted it. It was about 14 and a half minutes before you actually see Explosion. And then you see those, it was two minutes and 45 seconds of anxiety. Yeah. We're all like, oh my God, is he okay? Is he alive? Did he get out? Because we watched this, yeah, we watched this race together. Yeah. And I remember that happened and it was like, oh no. So much excitement just went. Yeah. And it was (laughs) like, it it went from like, yes, an F1 race to, I hope he's alive. It's okay now because it's already gone by. <laughs> Roman Grosjean's alive. Nobody died. I saw a post this week. Roman Grosjean's race in Bahrain last year longer than Nikita Mazepin's. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that is savage. <laughs> oh. That's terrible. But yikes, hilarious at the same time. It is slightly anyway, hilarious. This yeah. episode was great though. But yeah, it was. Oh, so much, so much emotion. You hear the other drivers freaking out. You talking about you know. Hamilton was feeling feeling vulnerable watching it. Gunther, Gunther, his boss, was like, you know, I, I didn't think anyone could get out alive. And uh, he's been watching racing for a long time. And there's never a good outcome in a scenario, especially with fire. And then all of a sudden you see 
the medical car shows up, got the guy putting extinguisher on it, and then you see him emerge. And I, again, was, I, I caught myself watching this episode, knowing what had happened, jumping up and going, yes, he's out. Thank God. But uh, even though I knew that had happened, like, eight months earlier. Yeah. Or four months earlier, I guess. And I really like, too, with this episode on how they talk to his wife. Yeah. Too. And just her reaction. Because, again, you know, these these drivers have families. Like, Kimmy's shown his kids openly on Instagram and whatever. And his wife sometimes comes oh. to the paddock whenever they could have come. Yeah. But to hear his wife say that, like, they're sitting at home watching the race... They watch daddy go up in flames and for two minutes and 45 seconds, his son is asking if daddy's alive or if daddy's dead and you don't have an answer for him I mean, because what are you supposed to say? Oh, You don't know. And, and yeah, because you're like, yeah, I, I hope he's not dead. But then to take that further oh. to Roman's case and to say, you know, I was dodging right. I was dodging left, trying to get out of this car, trying to find some room, and then it hit me, and I just kind of started to settle in, saying, "Where am I going to burn oh. first? Will it be painful? What's going to happen?" Kind of that, like to have then that uh, yeah. beacon of light in his mind, say, "Your kids." The kids c- came in the car, as he said. Yeah, and base, and he said, "No, I am not going down today. I'm not Puts going out like this." Yeah, and then tries to the fire. Yeah, climb out. I mean, phenomenal. Thank God he's alive. I mean, it could have been an absolute tragedy, but it's just a story of resolve. And I mean, wow. He was the man on fire. He was the man on fire and his wife rolled her eyes. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But it's interesting too, because that interview, he says, you know, this kind of really opens your eyes and puts into perspective for me, you know, that this racing, you know, kind of career for me should kind of come to an end for the sake of my kids, for the sake of my family. Mm -hmm. And then he joins IndyCar. Yeah, he's now an IndyCar. Although he's not doing any of the uh, ovals like Indianapolis. Fair, considering yeah. what he went through. Um, but he is in IndyCar. He'll be in the race next week. So, excited to see that. Exciting stuff. Um, but it all, again, back on Perez, you see his result. He goes up in flames. Not, yep. not as bad, obviously. And it gives Albon third for that race. And mm-hmm. Perez is devastated because at this point he doesn't know if he has a ride. And he just watched the guy... Whose ride he's trying to take, just blow by him and get a podium, which obviously is a plus for uh, Albon. For, for Albon, for it makes Horner happy because he doesn't have to make that hard decision. But until the next race, at the same time, <laughs> even before they show that next race when Perez won, yeah, they do interview Horner, and I can't remember exactly what Horner said, but the way that they cut it, Horner says something, you know, about finding that talented driver. Mm-hmm. To sit in the car next year, and then they cut to Perez, <laughs> and it's like That's just the way good that, editing, yeah, good editing. <laughs> but just to have that is, it's like, dang, maybe he was foreshadowing to the Max Verstappen. Oh, oh, way to roll that together. Yeah, um, but so, yeah, then Perez comes out the next race and just owns everybody. Yeah, I well, he gets owned in turn one or, or turn three of the first lap as. Leclerc just goes dive bomb by a desperate Ferrari. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna be. In f- I'm I'm taking third over. Woo! And he just Boink. takes out, <laughs> takes out Perez, and then Verstappen's like, I gotta get out of the way. Boom! I'm trapped. 
Yeah. Bang into the wall. Bang Somehow Paris's car doesn't get damaged enough. Yeah, that's that to me is a miracle. I mean, he just would, to go and get a new stop and get a new set of tires. It was wheel to wheel contact. Like that usually causes at least significant suspension damage, but yeah. it doesn't. Gets new tires, rips his way through the field. Mercedes flubs their pit stop, and, and he we have wins a winner. His first race in Ever. Formula One. Mm-hmm. Ten and years. You don't just race ten years and not have a win. Yeah. But that was Sergio. Yep. And then uh, I I love at the end of the episode, it's just phone ringing. Yep. Hello? Welcome to Red Bull. Sergio <laughs> Perez. And you're like, oh, yeah. Hey. There you go. Oh, so happy to see that. And now we come to the end. I did do... Quickly, want to touch on one quick thing. I love the uh, had a whole bunch of that Grosjean stuff and coming back to the track because that was such a powerful moment. Returning to the track, the, the corner, hug everybody who responded. Oh, real that fast. was so awesome! Were you the one around with the fire extinguisher? Give me a hug, and it's like, yeah, okay. My heart, my heart has yeah. grown three sizes watching this. Yeah, it was very cool. Yeah, and then yeah, now we head to the finale, down to the wire. Crazy scenario because you got. Racing Point, sitting third in the championship. McLaren, very close behind. And then you have Renault, very close behind them. And Ferrari with an... I mean, they need a miracle. They pretty much need to go 1-2. But, you know, <laughs> they've got a shot too. we got three teams legitimately fighting for third place. Yep. Crazy. And so you hear all these teams going at it. Ricardo's planning his next tattoo for Cyril, which is awesome. I mean, unless he puts it in a place we don't want to see. I, I do want to kind of find out what the tattoo looks like. Yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah, Cyril, if you're listening. <laughs> and if you're listening, <laughs> holy crap, thanks for listening. <laughs> call us, please. Yeah. Yes, call us. We email us chat. first. We'll get the email at the end of the episode. Just listen to then. Yeah, exactly. Can't wait to find out where that tattoo is. This year's promise. This is cool. If Ricardo gets a podium for uh, McLaren this year, the deal is that Zach Brown's going to... their. Team boss. boss. Their team boss is pretty much going to let him drive his uh, Dale Earnhardt car, which is so cool. Because, like, Ricardo's a huge fan of NASCAR and Dale Earnhardt. So he's like, okay, like a legendary NASCAR driver. Absolutely. So that's that, that'd be really cool. Very cool. But anyways, the, the season finale is interesting because for a lot of those drivers, knowing they're going to different teams, it's kind of like, you know, I need to focus on this race, but I also need to look ahead. I mean, you got Ricardo talking about looking ahead to McLaren, but also I want to get my team some points. Yep. Um, same thing kind of for Signs and for Perez, um, who has his race once again go up in, well, not well, flames, but it, it doesn't was, go up in anything. He just loses oil pressure. Yeah, it and goes down. Pulls over, and that's it. I guess it would go down in disappointment or something like yeah. that. Um, so that pretty much that pretty much seals <laughs> Racing Point's loss of third in the championship. McLaren would take it. Mm-hmm. They're fired up. Meantime, you've got Red Bull showing, "Hey, we're pretty good, guys. Like we could go, uh, we could head out there and uh, compete next year, guys." Oh, baby! With Verstappen leading every lap, qualifying first, and it's like, okay, this is tasty. Yep. <laughs> Foreshadowing. We well, hope. I hope for the rest of the season it wasn't just the season opener. Yeah, and then it ends off, and, and I like how they t- take this to the end. I mean, I would have preferred they would have done a little more on it, but Lewis talking about 
um, the whole We Races One campaign, ending racism, growing up, dealing with racism as young as eight, mm-hmm. which is terrible. Yeah, um, it's really sad. It is really sad. Fought his way through it, became the only black driver in F1 history, and, I mean, his campaigning to, you know, Black Lives Matter and ending racism for the whole um, F1 campaign. They're still doing that, which I'm glad to see. Yep. But um, yeah, it was a nice little note to kind of wrap up the uh, the season. Yeah. So now we uh, now we wait for season watch, four. We watch season four unfold. But now at least the wait is only a week. Yes, we have one, one week, week to go um, until all of racing across many different. Yeah. First race of the season or first weekend of the year. We got three major racing series kicking off. We got oh baby. We got Formula One over at Imola. We've got Barber Motorsports Park for IndyCar season opener with like the rookie class of Roman Grosjean and Jimmy Johnson, which Ooh, is so yeah. funny to say. And then you got NASCAR at Richmond, third short track in a week, or four weeks because of the off week for Easter. Mm-hmm. But yeah, tasty. Going to be one wild weekend. And yeah, we will have that coverage uh, coming up next week. But that's kind of a wrap up for Drive to Survive. Overall thoughts? I loved it. Yeah. Again, I liked one. I liked two. Love three, yeah. I I think I'd say this is the best one. I'd... Four is gonna trump it though. I think because of the fact on how the regulations changes were mm. reflected in that first race and how close Red Bull and Mercedes seem now. I think four is gonna be the best yet. I mean, I... that's what everybody hopes for a series <laughs> a series like that. Yeah, it gets better as it goes. Yep, exactly. But I think it's very tangibly obvious that it will be better mm-hmm. based on even just off the first race again. That could change. Merck could just run away. Yeah, now that we say this, it's pretty much going to be just like... I'm sorry if I've yeah. cursed the season, okay? If Mercedes is champions again, well... We all them. expected it. But, <laughs> yeah, if they win by like 400 points, it's... Yeah. <laughs> then it's my fault. Well done. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so I think that's pretty much it for this week. We'll uh, talk with you guys next Friday or Saturday ahead of the race at Imola. Yeah, and again... If you have any comments, questions, yep, anything you, can... you want to tell us or share with us, you can email us the A Racing Podcast at gmail.com. That, that is, is the E H Bingo Racing Podcast at gmail.com. And then uh, Twitter. Yes. Uh, we're on Twitter at the A Racing Podcast. And we're also on Facebook, I believe. Yes, at the A Racing Podcast. It's just everywhere. We are everywhere now on every platform, on every whatever. And we're on Apple Podcasts as well. So if you've got an Apple and you're listening to this, Thank you. Hit whatever button you need. Like, subscribe, follow. Have a great week. Stay safe out there, and I guess we'll chat with you guys ahead of Imola. Bye-bye.